Hallelujah. Well, first of all, I want to thank Pastor Pinnock for giving me this opportunity. Uh, I'm just as excited as you guys are. And um, just want to thank Pastor LaValle for, you know, just investing in, my, investing in my life and just making this all possible. And so tonight, uh, I'm not just preaching to you, but I'm preaching to myself as well. And so um, to give you an idea, God put this message on my heart back in November, December. And so, um, and it's just been stern and stern and stern in my heart. And, um, and so we'll get started. Hallelujah. I've entitled this sermon, Show Me the Father. Hallelujah. Show me the Father. When you think about the world that we live in today, it's messed up. Very messed up. Pastor Manuel, he mentioned the other night that he felt like we we're in the last days. And we are in the last days. When you think about COVID and the acceleration of all the wickedness in our world today, it's, it's, it's messed up, you know? And I mean, Satan, he, he's ramped things up. Satan, you know, he knows that it's at the end and he's ramping it up to a point where he's taking things to a whole nother level. You know, I mean, you think about after COVID, the riots and all these things that are happening, he's taking it to a whole nother level. You know, when you look at abortion, there's no conviction these days when it comes to abortion. Ah, it's just, they don't even treat it as a human being, as a baby, you know? And when you think about drugs, fentanyl, drug abuse, I mean, it's, it's an acceleration of wickedness going on in our world today. Mental health. I mean, you hear all these people, I mean, athletes, I mean, just all kind of people talking about, well, I got mental health issues. You know, they ain't, they ain't calling it this or that. They're saying mental health, you know, where people are losing their minds. You know, more and more people are hearing voices, demons, you know, talking to spirits and different things like that. And when you think about pornography, you know, pornography has been on the rise ever since the internet, cell phones. And when you think about it, it's, it's, it's ramped up. What, back about a month ago, I heard one of the football players um, on the Florida team got kicked off the Florida team, got locked up, and possibly going to do prison time because he's involved in child pornography. And it's just like, it's no longer just pornography, it's child pornography and, you know, babies, kids, and different things like that. And so there's an acceleration. About a month ago, this one guy, he had actually committed suicide. Um, I don't know his name, Twitch, Boss, you know, he was this famous dancer, DJ, and um, he actually committed suicide. And the sad thing is, he had it all, you know, I mean, family, kids, home, material thing. He had all, you know, the outward. But, you know, he left, you know, a suicide note basically talking about, you know, just issues and things that in his past he was having to deal with. 
and they hadn't come out with the rest of it, but just thinking about, you know, on the outside, he had it all, you know, and, you know, he was, you know, one of the videos he made before he died was, you know, talking about, you know, uh, racism and different things like that and all these different issues, but in reality, that wasn't an issue for him, you know, and even a couple of months before that, you had this fashion model. You know, she jumped off her balcony. I don't know if it was eight stories between seven, seven to ten stories. Jumped off the balcony, committed suicide. And I actually heard of a woman, you know, I was going through the news and different things like that, where this woman actually put her baby in the microwave and cooked her baby. That's the world we're living in today. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. Thank God, Jesus Christ left heaven. Not just heaven, but a perfect heaven to come down to this earth to meet one of the greatest needs, and that's to give you and I an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ and to make heaven our home. He came to down the cross for you and I. And so my scripture tonight is coming out of Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And then Jesus went into all the cities and villages, preaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest would send labors into the harvest field. Hallelujah. Let's pray, church. Let's pray. Oh, God, I pray tonight, God, that you would give us hearts, Lord God, to receive your word, Lord God, I pray. Oh, God, that you would penetrate our hearts, Lord God, I pray. Oh, God, that you'd do a miracle tonight, Lord God, I pray, Lord God. Oh, God, that we'd surrender all to you, Lord God, that we may be vessels, Lord God, that you can move and minister through. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. And Jesus, he came in looking at the multitudes, just, just looking at them. People lost. And I tell you one thing that really opened my eyes within the last eight years, you know, going into the Diversion Center. You know, it's just like, I guess I was in my own little world, you know, and doing life. But when I went into the Diversion Center, began to, you know, interact with different guys and helping them and all that. And it was just like, man, God began to open my eyes to drug abuse. You know, you can hear about it, but I mean, you, I mean, some of these guys are telling me the stories of how they were strung out on drugs and seeing demons and all this stuff running down the street. And it was like, whoa, I'm, I'm talking about it. it was like, whoa. And then some of these guys just the stuff that these guys are telling me that they're dealing with and. Man, that's a whole nother world, I mean, that I've been in, in, introduced to. 
and it's really opened my eyes to what a lot of people are going through. And what you're looking at is Jesus, he discipled men and women and showed them how to go out and do the same as he did. And basically, that, all that is is being a Christian, being Christ-like. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out more labors, more workers. How many of you know we're called to be light shining in darkness? We're called to be the light of the world. Pastor Pinnock mentioned in his first sermon that he preached in 2023, lengthening our cords and strengthening our stakes. And that's, you know, one of the things that, you know, he wanted to focus on this year. And so if we're going to do that, I think this scripture applies. Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39. Jesus replied and said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's easy for us to love ourselves, right? You know what I'm saying? It's easy. But now when it's, when it's time to love your neighbor, that's when it gets hard. You know? <laughs> thinking about my wife, you know? And this ain't even in my sermon, but thinking about my wife, you know, our neighbors on the other side of the street, you know, couple streets over their dog got out and killed some of her chickens Woo! oh man it was hard for my wife to love her neighbors and the lady was like ah it's no big deal uh, it's okay he'll come home oh it's not nah you better get your dog <laughs> and so I, I think the dog over time it's killed I don't know maybe five at least five chickens, you know, and it's like my wife has found it hard to love our neighbor. And, ju and, 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 and just this week, the dog got out. And my wife called, hey, your dog. It didn't kill any of the chickens, praise God. But the dog was in, you know, and, and I think that she was at work, and so she sent her daughter to come down and get the dog. And so sometimes it's hard for us to love our neighbors. That, and that's why we need more and more and more Jesus. If we're going to accomplish what he wants to, us to accomplish in this world. And so when you think about the first commandment, we're to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. In other words, we got to give God our best. And not just, you know, sometimes we can kind of go through the motions. You know, God said, I want your best. And with the acceleration of wickedness, we as Christians, we as a congregation, it's time we got to, you know, stir things up and, 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 and stir the gift that's in us. We got to stir it up. You know, I mean, when you think about what we as a congregation have gone through, what, 19, or what, I'm saying 19, 2022, 
God is shaking our church up. You know, our pastor of, what, 30, 33 years, you know, he's no longer here. God's trying to tell us something. He's trying to tell us something. And, and so, and, you know, God may be saying, hey, in order for me to take you guys to a whole new level, I may need to take him and put him somewhere else. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion and author of our faith. And so he's saying, hey, we got to throw some stuff down. Things that are weighing us down, we got to cast it off and run with endurance. Because the devil, he's ramped it up. He's ramped things up. And so in order for us to keep up pace, we, we got to ramp it up some. Um, and just, just even this sermon tonight, this, this short clip had a lot to do with it. Um, can you go ahead and play that clip? I got full scholarship to go to Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. The Seattle Seahawks drafted me in 1976. I played seven years with the Seattle Seahawks. And then after that, that's when I got into my teaching and coaching career. I love coaching because of the relationships that you get to develop with the players. You get, you get close with guys. It's the mental part is what makes the difference. Doing the little stuff right, because everybody's got physical talent. And, and so they know who I am and what I'm all about, and that they know that I care about them. They know that, man, I care about you. I want you to be successful. As the crowd settles in for Super Bowl 34, St. Louis against Tennessee. We went to a Super Bowl here in Tennessee. We were the Houston Oilers. Then we moved to Tennessee. We became the Tennessee Titans. Into the end zone. I was hired by Pete Carroll. I got to go back to Seattle and spend seven years on his staff. Went to the playoffs six out of seven years and two straight Super Bowls. I would always tell my players, if all you get from me is someone that teaches you how to run the inside zone, someone that teaches you how to run an option route, that's all you get from me. I said, man, you can get that from a video. But I said, I pray that I give you something, man, that will take you beyond this, something that will help you become a better man, a better husband, a better father one day. I want to make a difference in the lives of young people the way my father made a difference in my life. And I would look at each guy that way, like, you are my son, in, in a, the way I would relate to him, as a father would relate to a son, as my father related to me. My dad was my hero growing up. His presence in our life, how he saw more in us than what we saw in ourselves. Quarterback Sherman Smith takes the ball to the Marshall defense. And so one day, it was my senior year, right before the draft, I said, God, 
I, I just want to know if you're for real. I need somebody to show me. God responded and revealed himself to me, you know. Uh, training camp started, and then this one guy walks in, big black guy, big old barrel chest, and on the back of his shirt it said, Hutch is going to Seattle to do God's battle. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, no, man, here it is. I've come some 2,000 miles to run into another one of these so-called Christians. I'm watching Ken Hutcherson, and we're having a relationship because we talk and stuff, and, but I'm watching his life. I'm, I'm checking him out. Man. I'm going to see what this guy's all about. There was something different about this guy. In our last preseason game, he gets hurt, blows his knee out, take him off the field, and the word comes back down on the field that his career is over with. And he has ice packs on his knee, and he's got a smile on his face. And he just says, Sherm, man, I'm excited. And I'm looking at him, okay, man, I'm excited to see what God has planned for my life. And he says, Sherm, you see, I'm a Christian, and nothing happens in my life that's not filtered through God's hands first. He said, I'm excited to see what God has planned for my life. And right there, man, I said, man, this has to be for real. You can't fake that right there. And right there in that room, I said, please tell me more about Jesus Christ. He said, God loves you. He said, God loves you so much that your sins are forgiven past, present, and future. He said, not only, Sherman, did God love you so much, he said, the thing that has happened is, God says he's going to save you one day from the penalty of sin. He's going to save you from the presence of sin. He said, but now God is going to save you from the power of sin. I said, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Identity is the key to spiritual growth. You have to know who you are. My dad kind of laid the foundation for that thinking. And then when Hutch came to me and I said, don't you know who you are? He was saying the same thing to me. Don't you know your identity is supposed to impact your behavior? When you think about it, I don't know if you picked up on it, but he said, God, I want to know if you're for real. I need you or someone to show me. I don't know if you picked up on that. He said, I need you to show me. And this is where it gets exciting. Because <laughs> God was like, Sherman, you, oh, man. Who can I put in his path to show him the Father or introduce him to the Father? Who? Nah, I can't use this person. <laughs> wow. I got it. Ken Hutchinson. He's going to take time out of his schedule to introduce him to the Father. So God put them two together. And he led that man to Jesus Christ and was able to disciple him and have impact in his life. And here it is. You see this man, Sherman Smith, at a Billy Graham crusade speaking. You never know the impact that you're going to have in someone's life. Here it was, this man, Ken Hutchinson. God used him as a vessel and put him in Sherman Smith's life. Boy, that really had so much impact. Because God 
He's wanting to do this on a daily. Not monthly, yearly. I'm talking about daily. And the same way God put Ken Hutchison in Sherman Smith's life, this is what God did in my life when I was crying out to him at strategic, at strategic times in my life. God put people in my way to introduce me to the Father and give me an appetite for God. My Aunt Gloria, she's probably the only one that was in my family at the time saved me growing up knowing that, hey, she's a Christian. She didn't have all the right doctrine and all these different things, but she loved God. And she was always trying to help people and invest in their lives. Anytime you had a need, you could go to Aunt Glory. You know, I mean, hey, she was, she was doing the right thing with her money, saving it. If you needed a loan, hey, go to Aunt Glory. You know, I mean, hey, she, hey, she was doing right. And I, I think just about all my family has at least gone to her at some point in time for help. But then a lot of my family mock her. But yet she's always there trying to introduce people to the Father. My first encounter with speaking in tongues was with my Aunt Glory. I didn't understand it. I, I prayed in high school to give my life to Christ. And I didn't know who to talk to, and I ran to my Aunt Glory. Hey, I gave my life to Christ. She said, we need to get you filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, you know. And took me to a lady, and they laid hands on me to speak in tongues. And, and I had an encounter with God. But that was the first time that I was introduced to speaking in tongues. She played a major role in my life over the years and even to this day. Sad thing is, you know, I quit going over her house to spend the night because I didn't want to go to church, you know. But I'm crying out to God, God for help. And there's another person that God put in my life that really had major impact. And there was this girl named Heidi McCurley. Oh, my God. From seventh grade all the way through high school, so seventh all the way through 12th grade, this girl played a major role in my life. And she wasn't in one of our church fellowship churches, but I'm talking about, man, she had the goods. Oh, man, she had the goods. And, and I mean, just, just so much in her life, just seeing her go through you know, all the people in our class, high, middle school, high school, would always just mock her and different things like that. But deep down inside, man, she gave me an appetite to want to know God. She set an example for me. Just, it was like, it was amazing. In my senior year, I went to a, a, a show that she actually put on, and I actually gave my life to Christ. The sad thing is, I began to hang around all these so-called Christians, and because I couldn't hang around her all the time, you know, she, you know, she, you know, she had a boyfriend and all that. So I'm like, I can't hang around her, you know, but she set an example. And it was just like, as I begin to try to get closer to God, there was a lot of hypocrites out there. And I, be, I let that be an excuse for me to go back out into the world. But she gave me an appetite for the things of God. God put her in my life to introduce me to him. 
And there's another guy named, by the name of Reggie Pleasant. And, you know, I was, I was this big sports fan. Sports used to, used to be my God. And so here it was. We were in Atlanta. Our car breaks down on I-20. And this is at night. And, I mean, it's raining. It's raining hard. And here it is. Car breaks down. And, I mean, we're in this raggedy car. And um, this man, him and his wife, they pulled over and helped us. They took us back to their house and helped us get our car fixed that night. And I don't remember all the details, but what I do remember, the whole time he was witnessing to us and telling us about the love of God. But the thing that really caught my attention, this was the first professional athlete that I'd ever met. He got drafted to the Atlanta Falcons and I think played maybe one or two years. And then he went on to the Canadian League and played, I don't know, 12 years in Canadian League and had a major impact in that league, broke a lot of records and different things like that. And he was actually one of the chaplains for the Tennessee Titans for a number of years. But this man, he played a big role in my life because that was the first athlete, you know, and God knew, hey, oh God, you want to get you want to get Antonio? Hey, put this athlete that was a born again Christian in my life, witness to me, and that that totally blew my mind. And after I got saved, I actually called him up, and we had conversations for a number of years. Played a major part. And then here it was, I'd come to the end. I'm thinking I'm losing my mind. Sin's not satisfying anymore. And I'm like, man, I can't tell anybody what's going on. Man, what's wrong with me? There was a lot of things that I used to love doing. Now I don't love doing it. It, it didn't fill me anymore. And so I, I remember it was one night, and, and, and this is one way you know I was desperate. They had a pajama party over at the university. And I'd been waiting on I'm months to go to this thing. I mean, I'm talking about months. And it got to a point that night, the night of the party, I didn't go. I'm in my room crying like a baby. God, if you real, help me. God, please. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know what to do. Two days later, I go downtown to do what I know to do and try to fill this empty void. And before I could get to any club, this guy stopped me on the corner. as I'm, He waiting on me as I come across the street. A guy named Edmund Duma. And he witnesses to me. But the thing is, it's like this ain't just somebody telling me about Jesus. I'm talking about this man reading me like a book. I'm like, this got to be God. I'm talking about, it's just like he's been following me around. And everything I'm going through, he's like sitting there just hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. And at the end of that night, he asked me, did I want to give my life to Jesus? I, I, two, days, two days now, Wednesday night, I'm crying out to God. And then he asked me, you know what I said? 
Oh, man, I don't want to be no hypocrite. But the perfect lines was, you don't have to be, just obey God. And, man, it just, it's like smacked me in the face. And that night I prayed and gave my life to Jesus. But here it was. And then several days later, a week later, whatever, you know, I don't know when it was, but he said, he told me, he was like, you know what? I told the group that I was with, Cedric Broughton, and some more people. I don't know if Miss Vera was hanging out that late that night or not. But, um, but I know Cedric was there. And um, he said, he told them, let me witness to one last person before we leave. And so here it is, God saying, okay, Antonio, he running a little late, but um, I got to find, I, I got I to well, hold them up just a little bit so I can put them to where they cross paths and I can introduce him to the Father. And so I'm, I'm running late. <laughs> but, but God, God worked through all that. This man said, hey, but just, just let me witness one last person. And I was that person. And that was 30 years ago. 30 years ago, July the 31st, gave my life to Christ. Played a major role in me being introduced to the Father. And then he brought me to church and then introduced me to Pastor LaValle. Hallelujah. And, then, and from there, the last 30 years, Pastor LaValle has been helping me, introducing me, showing me how to get closer to the Father. Hallelujah. This is so awesome because these people obey God. And when God was dealing with them, to be a vessel that he could move through, they all surrendered. They made time. They made time when God was dealing with their hearts. In Romans chapter 10, 13 through 15, Sorry. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But, oh, where are my glasses at? That's, that's the problems. I'm like, something ain't right. Okay, okay, there we go. But, how can they call on him to save them unless they first believe in him? How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And Jesus made this comment. He said to his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all things that I've commanded and I have given you. And that was in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And so what I'm talking about tonight is, and this is probably the essence of the whole sermon. When I would talk to this guy, Edmund Dula, I was like, man, what can I do to repay you? He was like, hey, 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 hey. No, you ain't got to pay me nothing. You just do what I've done for you. Just do it for somebody else. And so, in other words, paying it forward. Paying it forward. And this past year, we've heard testimony after testimony after testimony of Pastor LaValle, how he's invested in our lives. Time, money, resources, you name it. He's invested so much in every individual lives, family, all these different things. He's invested. He's invested his knowledge, wisdom. In other words, he did all that Showing us and introducing us to the Father. And so now it's time for you and I to take it to the next level and pay it forward. My question tonight is, how many, or no, I ain't going to say how many, who in the last six months to a year, you've invested your time, money, resources, knowledge, and wisdom, you've invested in their lives the way Pastor LaValle has invested in your life. Y'all feel me? And this is what I'm saying. It's time. All that's been invested in our lives, it's not a lightweight thing. He's, he's not here right now. Why? Because God said, I got to put him here to be a vessel. And now he wants you and I to be the same vessel that he was for us. How many people you can look to right now and say, I invest the same time, energy, effort the way Pastor LaValle invested in me. And so this is a new year. 2000, not uh, 2000, okay. 23. 23. Who are you investing in? And, and, and one of the biggest examples, you know, thinking about Pastor LaValle. Right now, you can say, I'm investing in this person right here the way he's invested in my life. Going out of my way to make a difference. God's shaking up things here in this congregation. And what he's saying is, you need to make room for me. Make room for me. And what that's going to translate into 
is souls. It's going to translate into souls. We as a congregation, we need to pray. And so my thought process is, you know, when I go out and witness, I'm not just going out and witness. I, I've prayed to God. It's like, you know, like shooting a gun. Blah, blah, blah. Blah. What you shooting at? Blah. That was a good shot, wasn't it? Man, that was a good shot. What you shooting at? I don't know, but it was a good shot. No. Got aim, focus. For many years now, it's like God put me in the right place at the right time to speak to that individual that's crying out to you. That, that's, that's my prayers. And it's gotten so intense. There's times now where I'll just, okay, I'll go ahead and speak it into my phone, write it down, and then wait to God to open that door. And I'm talking about it's some of the most intense times with God. I was like, God, you know, I, li I like sports. I don't love it no more. I like it. I said, so I said, God, I want you to put me in touch with some of the athletes, some of the leaders, Christian leaders on the team. Not even a week went by. And I, and I put it on my phone, dated it and all that. And I'm in Target. I'm in Target, not Target. Uh, academy. I'm in Academy. And all of a sudden, I see one of these athletes, and I walk over to him. and was like, yo, what's up? You know? And I begin to share with him what was on my heart. And come to find out, he was one of the spiritual leaders on the team. And I begin to pour out my heart to him. And he begins to pour out his heart to me. And then I took out my phone and showed him what I'd been praying about. And his eyes got wide. He couldn't believe it. But I'm talking about the presence of God was in that place. It was, oh man, it was, it was awesome. And I was able to encourage this guy. He never came out to church. He was a Christian, different things like that. But that's what I'm talking about. Things like that. There's this one guy I didn't have nobody to follow up on or anything like that. So I'm praying, God, hey, I, I need somebody to follow up on. I need somebody. I, I want to be a vessel. God, move to where I can speak to somebody. Pull up to the gas station one morning. This young guy get out and, you know, we pumping gas. Yo, what's up? Hey, if you die right now, where would you go? Heaven or hell? <laughs> and he said, hell, you know. But the thing is, we couldn't have a long conversation because he was on his way to a state meet. And I wound up praying with him right there. He came out to church whenever the next service was. This young guy, he came to church for two, two and a half years, went to one or two of the boot camps. And within that two years, he led at least 20, 25 people to Christ. Brought at least 25 people in the church. And you know one of the things, one of the things he said to me? The night before you witnessed to me, I cried out to God that God would put a mentor in my life, someone to help me. And the very next day, I'm witnessing to him. He gets saved. And I still have contact with this guy today, you know. But the sad thing is, God set him free from pornography. God set him free from sleeping around. 
smoking pot. Oh, I mean, just so many things God set him free from. And he was beginning to tell his sisters, now, you need to quit living like this. You need to quit. But the sad thing is, his family put so much pressure on him over the years. He, he, he caved in. And they were saying, you're young. You need to go out and party. You need to go out and have fun. And he basically pulled back from the things of God. And a lot of people that he had witnessed to and was best friends with had an example in their lives. Oh, man, it's some horrible stories to listen and hear about those people now. It's, it's just sad. But God was using him to be a vessel. Hallelujah. And then one of the last things I want to talk about is, oh, man. Winning souls. When you think about you and I paying it forward and growing in destiny, it's all going to be linked to souls. It's all linked to souls. And the closer you get to God, the more and more you're going to want to tell people. The more and more you get closer to God, the more and more you're going to tell people. You can't just keep it to yourself. And so, like I said, this was on my heart. And it's just like we as a congregation, here it is. God wants each one of us this year to win someone to Christ and invest in them the way Pastor LaValley has invested in you and your family. What's over there in that corner over there? Over there in that corner, front corner. Huh? How many? A lot. God's ready to use those chairs. There's a lot of people out there in the world crying out to God right now. Messed up, jacked up. Families, marriages. And God said, who, who? Who can I find to put here and link them together to introduce them to me? Who? Where? That's what God's calling us to do. You and I. And so it's time we pay it forward and invest in those souls, invest in those lives. And lastly, I, I got to get this out. Y'all have heard so many conversations about me and Wallace or me and Pastor Ryden. A lot of them. And like right here, where my hair quit growing, it was because of him. I'm talking about one day I got so mad. Oh, so mad. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. There's many days I almost lost my salvation. I kid you not. Many. Many. And I'm looking over. And it's like God introduced me to him to show him the Father. But what so many people don't realize is people hear the story and it's like, yeah, man, you did a great job. Yeah, you helped him. Yeah, yeah. But what so many people don't realize is it's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. As I was investing in him 
in helping him, God was helping me. I got just as much out of it as he did. A lot of people don't realize that. I got just as much out of it. And God was showing me, yeah, you need me. Yeah, you need me. I'm talking about there was many times I almost lost. Woo! I'm talking about whoo. Oh, man. I just, oh, man. There's one time we're up in, um, we're up in Wander. We're up in Wander. We're in Wander. And he quits. He's working for me. He quits. He's, yeah, he, he quit. And then he goes sit in the truck. <laughs> waiting on me to finish the job. So it's nighttime now. It's nighttime. And I finally finish the job. And I get in the truck. He's sitting there like this. And everything in me. Get out and walk. Get out and walk. Everything in me was like, go. I was going, I was going to make him get out and walk back to Athens. And God said, no, don't do it. God! No, don't do it. Drove him back, and he eventually repented, got right. But there are so many times, and what God was doing, God was enlarging me because I needed him to help him get to the Father and overcome a lot of those battles. I needed more of God in order to help him, taking him to, uh, pay, not payroll, but um, what is it? When you go probation. He looking at me like, hurry up. Ain't paying no money. I'm, I'm, I'm taking him, you know, way back to Madison County, probation and all these different things. And he looked, and it was just like God was doing just as a much, I mean, just the work in me as he was doing in him. And now you see, here it is, years later, he's a changed man. But yet God used him to enlarge me, and God was like, and putting more of him in me. And I'm, 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 I'm going to close on this. One time my wife said, why? Why do you keep putting up with this? Why don't you just let him go? Just let him go. And I said, yeah, I said to her, if I don't learn this now and do it and deal with it, I'm just going to have to learn it down the road. So I might as well just go through the hard times. And God mold me, build me, and here it is. He's out pastoring today. And the wonderful thing about it is I not only had an influence in his life, he's having an influence in my life. Back in December, he gave me a word. He's encouraging me and helping me just as much as I've helped him. And so when you think about souls going all out, investing in other people, God is going to help you just as much as you're helping them. Can I get every head bowed and all eyes closed in reverence unto God? Hallelujah. There's so much more I wanted to say, but tonight, 
There's some of us in this place that we're not giving God our best. We're not giving God our all. And God is call, calling you tonight to surrender. To surrender and give your all. If you're in this place tonight and you know that you're not totally submitted to God and you're not giving God your best, but tonight you're saying, I want to, I want to rededicate my life and I want to give my all to God. Slip up your hand. Praise God. Praise God. Or maybe at one time you were giving God your all, but tonight you're saying, hey, I, I, I'm just kind of going through the motions. And I, I hadn't been giving God my best, but tonight I don't want to violate my conscience anymore. I want to surrender to God and make it right. That's you. Slip up your hand. Praise God. Praise God. God sees those hands. God sees those hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God loves us in this place. And he died on the cross so you and I could know his forgiveness, his love, and his grace. And I'm going to tell you, church, we need to give our best. We need to give our all to God because that's what it's coming down to. And as we do that, God is going to help us, speak to us, and take us over the hump. Hallelujah. For Christians in this place tonight, there's been a lot invested in our lives. And now, and now it's time for you and I to pay it forward. It's time for you and I to do what's been done in our lives. And so it's not just randomly going out and witnessing. No, God, you put me in the right place at the right time to speak to specific people. And as you do that, God's going to blow your mind and God's going to link you to that person. And he's going to enlarge you just as much as he's enlarging them. Hallelujah. We're going to change the order of things. We're going to open up the altars, come and pray, and lay a hold of God. Hallelujah.